All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Atkins Sports Podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Atkins. Today's date is January 11th, 2021. <clears throat> we just got done with a super wild card playoff weekend for the NFL. We had a huge slate of games, three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. And we got a lot to get into. Uh, Today is going to be the first episode with a not so special guest. Part two of today's podcast. He will be joining us. And we're going to be talking about the NFL weekend. Probably going to get into some NBA also. Always going to talk about some NBA usually. But before we get into anything I have to say about these games, let's just get into a quick recap of the weekend. Saturday, we had the Indianapolis Colts versus the Buffalo Bills. The Bills took that game 27 to 24. The game was very competitive. Phillip Rivers actually had a good game. It was kind of hard to watch his reaction to the loss, but somebody's got to lose, somebody's got to win. The second game of the day was the Los Angeles Rams versus the Seattle Seahawks. The Rams won in convincing fashion with a dominant defensive effort. Aaron Donald went out in the third. We're hoping that he's able to return for the divisional round. But we shall see. Also, the Rams backup quarterback, he went out, what, third play, got hit in the head by Jamal Adams shoulder pad but the reports say that he is okay so we're praying for his continued recovery and we hope for the best and the last game of the saturday slate of games was the tampa bay buccaneers versus the washington football team the buccaneers took that game 31 to 23 and during that performance you had tom brady with a dominating 381-yard performance, two touchdowns, zero interceptions against that vaunted Washington football team, front seven, front four, however you want to break it down. Bottom line is Tom Brady was dropping bombs on that Washington football team. And that ends the Saturday slate. After that, we had the Sunday slate of games, the final set of games during the Super Wild Card weekend. And the first game of the day was the Baltimore Ravens, the fifth seed, versus the Tennessee Titans. The Titans, of course, had the home field advantage. And during this game, it was a low-scoring 20-13 affair. Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, had a not-so-good passing performance, but he looked like he was the best rusher on the field that day rushing for over 100 yards against the Tennessee Titans opening up the storylines for has Lamar Jackson gotten over the hump and will the Baltimore Ravens be able to take it all the way I am still not a believer I'm a believer in Lamar Jackson but as far as the Baltimore Ravens be able to take it all the way I do not know but that rushing attack is lethal then we have the Number two seed, New Orleans Saints versus the number seven seed, Chicago Bears. New Orleans had the home field advantage and the Bears 
lost to the Saints 21-9. The defense held up for the Chicago Bears, but Mitchell Trubisky and company were not able to move the rock. They allowed for the fewest points in playoff history for the New Orleans Saints. The Bears' offense is anemic, and it is just terrible. Now, stories are coming out whether Mitchell Trubisky is coming back or not. And with that said, we had the last game of the Super Wild Card Weekend, which is probably the most surprising, not necessarily the most entertaining, depending on who you ask, but it definitely had a lot of drama for all the wrong reasons. We had the number six seed versus the number three seed Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers coming into this game. The last team that was undefeated in the regular season with an 11-0 record then proceeded to drop four out of the last five games and then got stomped by the Cleveland Browns 48-37. to That final score is nowhere near indicative of the actual dis- difference between the Browns and the Steelers during this game. Just for just a quick, I'm pretty sure most of you guys already know, but the Browns scored 28 unanswered points in the first quarter. So the game was over after 15 seconds because of that botched snap for the first play of the game. But yes, the Steelers lost to the Browns 48 to 37. So now that you have the scores for the Super Wild Card Weekend, let's get into some of the commentary. First, we'll start off with the Rams versus Seahawks game. This game started off interesting. Um, coming in, the Rams were playing their backup quarterback as the starter. And I was actually um worried. But, you know, people were saying, oh, yeah, there's no difference between the backup and Jared Goff. And I'm like, oh, no, nah, that can't be true. But what do you know? The backup, which I'm not saying his name because I just cannot remember his name for the life of me. He came out there and he played, uh, what, three, four snaps and got injured with a head, not helmet to helmet, but a shoulder pad to helmet hit from Jamal Adams. He was legal runner at the time. Uh, there was a debate of whether the hit was a foul or not, but ultimately it was ruled not a foul. And the backup quarterback had to go to the hospital just for precautionary reasons. Turns out that he's okay. Sean McVay, after the game, said that he believed that it was a stinger. He even came back to the stadium to celebrate with the team after the win. But overall, this was simply a dominant defensive performance by the Los Angeles Rams, which I believe have a very good chance to go all the way and take it simply because of their defense. I think they have the best defense in the playoffs at this point. Uh, Aaron Donald went down in the third, though, with a rib injury. Reports are saying that he should be okay and available to play next week. I hope that is true because we're going to need every bit of help that we can get. Russell Wilson had a terrible game. He completed only 11 passes, passed for under 50% completion rate. The Rams defense was simply all over the Seattle Seahawks, and I don't know where they go after this. The Seattle Seahawks have been leaning on Russell Wilson 
for the good part of the last five years. After the Legion of Boom, the Seahawks have had no semblance of a defense. And now, well, they've always had an offense, but it was always centered around one person. And now it's coming back to bite them. I mean, it's always been biting them, but it's just, they have to get more help for Russell Wilson. We're talking about help up front as far as the offensive line. Um, they have the receivers, a better running game, but ultimately it's the defense. It comes down to the defense. Um, but this game, it was Russell Wilson's fault that it was, there was such a huge discrepancy, but he had pressure on him all day. Aaron Donald had two sacks in the first half. The Rams defense sacked Russell Wilson's five times overall. The game was a defensive struggle. Jerry Goff came out to 150 yards. Russell Wilson even threw a pick six. So the game was very hard to watch for Seattle fans. And the ending score, 30 to 20, is probably not truly indicative of how lopsided this game actually was, considering the defensive effort that the Rams gave. Jalen Ramsey locked up DJ Metcalf. DJ only had three receptions for what, 30 yards, uh, just about. So this this game, the Seattle Seahawks couldn't do anything. Like this was this was bad. This was very bad. Acres, over 100 yards rushing on the ground. The Rams dominated time of possession, and they dominated running the ball. Run the ball, stop the run. It was run the ball, stop everything that the Seattle Seahawks were doing. This game was just, it simply was that. It was a dominated defensive performance. Where do the Seahawks go from here? That's going to be a lot of the discussion over the coming week into the divisional round of the playoffs. Because it looks like it looked like the Seahawks couldn't do anything. Now, of course, Russell Wilson had a very bad game. And I don't think that if he had such a bad game that the game wouldn't have been so lopsided. But also, I mean, it's not like he wasn't playing against a team that he wasn't familiar with. This was not a surprise. Nothing happened to the Seattle Seahawks. That should have been a surprise. This was the third time that this teams that these teams have matched up this season alone. And this was the most lopsided victory of them all, even if the score doesn't dictate that. So with that, once again, the Rams beat the Seahawks 30-20. And this is the second playoff loss, second playoff home loss to the Rams that the Seattle Seahawks have had in team history. Transitioning, we have the Bills versus the Colts. This game was actually probably one of the most competitive games over the, I think it was the most competitive game out of the entire weekend. It had the most healthy drama because the Bills were up by 14 at a point and then the Colts started marching back with Old Man Rivers. Which I hope see. I hope he returns, because honestly, I think after that game, it feels like they have some unfinished business. But that's a story for another day. So we have the Colts versus the Bills. Bills, of course, won by three points. There was some drama late on. There was a fumble that I believe should have ended the game earlier than what it did. Uh, Philip Rivers threw a pass to one of his receivers. I don't know the receiver's name. And the receiver fell, took a knee, but he was untouched at that point. And just as he was getting up, 
he fumbled the ball, but the referees called it down by contact. Even on the replay, I believe that it was not down by contact. I believe that the player actually fumbled the ball, but the referees believed opposite. So, okay, we have a difference of opinion on that, but I'm not the one that's in charge. So the referees decided that it was down by contact and that extended the drive. At this point, there was about 30 seconds left in the ball game, 30 seconds left in the ball game, and the Colts were ultimately trying to at least get into field goal range, but they failed to do so. So the game ended on a Hail Mary play, you know, leave it all the line, hope something happens. Josh Allen was playing particularly well all the way up through to the third where he started to make some bozo plays. One play in particular where he fumbled 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> but the Bills ultimately recovered that and of course it put him at second and 33. So that drive was over and that course gave the Colts a little bit more momentum. Uh, but ultimately, the Bills were able to hold off. Uh, this game was particularly alarming, especially for the Bills, because their defense was so leaky, especially once the Colts started to make that 14-point comeback or attempted to. They gained traction on that comeback. The Bills' defense looked terrible. And what is going on? What is going on with the Bills and the inability to stop the tight end in that game? I don't know if there was just, you know, a, you know, a solo isolated incident. I haven't looked into the statistics much, but dude, Phillip Rivers just decided to pass to the tight end all day. And they were having extreme success. He passed to the tight end three, four times in a row. We're talking about 10 plus yards per reception. And then also a touchdown in the two point conversion to the same person. I'm like, we got to do something about this. Doyle was eating them boys alive. It's like, come on, man. These these bills got to get it together because if they allow that to happen next week, I don't think they're going to be so lucky. I have to check the playoff bracket, but the bills as the number two seed, they're going to go against the lowest seed in the AFC now. So what, they'll play the Browns next? No, 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 no. I think they'll play the Ravens next. I think that's the... Matter of fact, let me just go ahead and look up these. Play up the bracket now. Because the, the divisional round has been set. Let me check out the schedule. All right, so we got the divisionals. Yeah, the Bills will be playing the Ravens next week. So the Ravens, well, the Ravens can't pass. I mean, Lamar Jackson still is not show the ability to pass the ball much. So we'll see. But I'm not going to go into a preview, but I do believe. But, you know, the Bills also kind of had a leaky run defense too. So we'll see. But with that, let's go to the, go back to the other games. So and then last game of the Saturday night, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Washington football team. And during this game, you know, all the pressure that the Buccaneers, I'm sorry, not the Buccaneers, but the, the Washington football team have been putting on other teams. It was basically non-existent against Tom Brady and company. TB12 and company. 381 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Enough said. The bigger thing I want to talk about, though, is the performance of Taylor Heineke. 
I heard one sports commentator say I would have had a Heineken after that game. <laughs> but needless to say, the, the, his performance was uh, very good and surprising for, uh, you know, for him being a backup. I don't think anybody expected that type of performance out of him. And it gives Washington football team some things to think about. Uh, you know, um, Alex Smith wasn't able to play for the game. Calf, leg, uh, you know, the simple fact that he has even played football after that injury was just astounding. It was something to behold. So nobody's on Alex Smith negatively for not being able to play for this game. That calf injury just caught up to him. But as I said, the bigger thing is Taylor Heineke with 44 attempts, 26 completions for 300 yards, a TD and an interception in his first playoff start. As a backup quarterback, he probably never even expected to be able to get into the games this season. But then his first playoff start is against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a team that made it into the playoffs in the worst division in football at 79, under 500 team. He threw over 300 yards. His performance was remarkable, to say the least, when you account for his lack of experience in the position that he has been put in as the backup quarterback, potentially not even playing this game if Alex Smith was, Alex Smith was able to go. The brother, the brother gives D.C. fans, Washington football fans, something, something to think about. To say the least, I definitely going forward, maybe you don't have to go so hard on the quarterback hunt. Hey, maybe give him another chance because, I mean, this performance was definitely good. And if he's a much healthier option than Alex Smith, hey, you know, what's the what's what hurts trying him anyway? You're coming from a Dwayne Haskins riddled season where he got released in only his second season as a pro. So in this aspect, there's really, there's really nothing that you uh you have to lose. You know, I think the the local DC media has been acting like this team is better than what it actually is, and it's getting annoying. But hey, you got fans that swear up and down by this team. Maybe next year they'll be able to get over the hump, but Ron Rivera has definitely turned this franchise in the right direction. And they're young. They're developing. The Redskins needed this AO against the old buck, Tom Brady, 43 years old, almost 400 yards passing in another playoff game. He's beaten 17 teams in the playoffs. Just remarkable resume that that old man has. But needless to say, I think the Washington football team will be back and they will probably be the best team in the NFC East for years to come. Now, moving on to Sunday, January 10th. Of course, the first game with the Ravens versus Titans once again. And this game was boring to me. It was run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me because I'm Lamar Jackson. <laughs> simple 
run heavy game, offense hard to come by, but the ball was moving on the ground. That's enough. That's 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 pretty much all I'll say about that game. Another one, Bears versus Saints. The Bears got into the playoffs as an eight and eight team. Saints twelve and four. We know the Bears' defense is legit, but their offense is terrible. Once again, we've seen that their offense is terrible. Throughout the entire game, they had only three points from a field goal. And in that last touchdown, they scored within the last two minutes of the game. Garbage time. The game was already over. As far as I'm concerned, this game was a 21-3 blowout. But the game ended 21-9. Mitchell Trubisky, 199 yards. In a touchdown. Now the rumor mill is pouring in. The Bears now have to decide whether they're going to stay with Mitchell Trubisky or are they going to move on. They did go on a bit of a run towards the end of the season with Mitchell Trubisky. But ultimately, I do not believe that he is the quarterback of the future for their team and they need to look at other options. Unfortunately, since they made the playoffs, they'll be a middle of the pack team during the draft. So I don't know if there's going to be a quarterback option that is suitable for their needs at the time that they're going to pick. But, hey, what do you know? Most of the quarterbacks that are in these playoffs are not super high picks anyway. I mean, the biggest one, of course, Tom Brady, six-round pick. Russell Wilson, third-round pick. Mr. Trubisky was a first-round pick who got picked before Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, and we see how good he is. So just because you're a lower draft pick in the first round, second round, that does not mean that you cannot get a quality quarterback at those picks. So we'll see what the Bears do this offseason. I do believe Matt Nagy will return. I think he should return. I think this offense is just terrible. But the defense is coached very well and they perform very well, even with an offense that cannot move the ball to save their life. This offense could not move the ball on the ground at all. Mitchell Trubisky was a better passer than his running backs were rushers. That's telling you something and that is alarming. And that needs to be accounted for because Mitchell Trubisky is not the only problem of this offense. It's not like if Mitchell Trubisky um, was throwing for 300 yards that they still wouldn't have a problem rushing the ball either. So they have to fix this from a multifaceted approach. And then, of course, the last game of the Super Wild Card weekend was the Browns versus the Steelers. This was the most alarming game of the entire Wild Card weekend for me because the Browns came out on the 28-0 run. Ben Roethlisberger threw four picks, four touchdowns, played terrible, if you ask me, and then sat on the bench for 30 minutes after the game, staring in his face because he was contemplating life. And I wonder if he thinks he'll return to the Pittsburgh Steelers or if he will retire, if he thinks it's over. I don't know. But we'll have to see because that performance was abysmal and it was pathetic and it was embarrassing. On the other hand, we have the Cleveland Browns, who people still doubt to this day, including me. I am not a believer, but I do know. That bigger Mayfield is coming into his own. Let's see, if he's a, let's see if he's able to repeat this performance next week and if he's able to take this level of momentum into the next season and so forth and so on because it's looking like the Browns have their franchise quarterback now and they're just going to, going to continue to build around him. Of course, they're doing all this without the services of Odell Beckham Jr. And people have believed that has been a addition by subtraction. I am one of those people that have believed that because when you have a diva receiver and you're a younger quarterback and you're especially struggling, all these mouths to feed can make it more complicated than it has to be. 
So that has potentially been been a net plus for them, the loss of Odell Beckham Jr. But he is still under cap and it's going to be harder to move every season because his injuries and then, of course, his numbers are down from his Giants days. But I think this was more indicative of a Steelers loss than a Browns win. I mean, when you throw four interceptions, what else do you expect? Ben Roethlisberger played absolutely pathetic. And they attempted some semblance of a comeback in the third quarter. I'm pretty sure Browns fans started sweating. But then they were on their fourth and one in Browns territory in the fourth quarter. Down and they decided to punt. I mean, look, this is this is the end of the season anyway. You have nothing to lose. Because if you don't get this possession anyway, it's looking like you guys are going to lose anyway. So you might as well try to just get it to try to get the first down or let it be a turnover on downs because you're not going to be in any better position than you were before because your defense couldn't stop um Baker Mayfield and that two-headed monster of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield threw for three touchdowns. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb accounted for over 100 yards on the ground. Throw in some more touchdowns on the ground. So what 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 were you going to do? Like it wasn't like okay, we'll punt it away and we'll lean on our defense. At that point, what you're down, you're down big. So it's all or nothing. Every possession is the last possession in this case because you have nothing else. This is just I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I don't see what the point is. So needless to say, this was a very big win for the Cleveland Browns and fans will be celebrating all over Cleveland for the rest of the week. I do believe even if they lose next week, which I believe they will, this is still a great season for the Browns because while the fans may have been expecting this, nobody else expected this. You already surpassed expectations. People believe that you were fluky during the regular season. You came out and you dominated the Steelers, but they're going to discount that because they believe the Steelers are already on the downturn and it was only a matter of time before a team embarrassed them once again. So overall, I believe it was a decent Super Wild Card weekend. I do like this lineup of six games. It's a beautiful thing to watch. A lot of football. It's going to be a lot more football to be played. And we'll see where this goes. Let's take a look towards next weekend, the division of the round. Let's see what the divisional has for us. That was the wild card. Let's look towards the divisional playoff rounds. So we have a slate of four games. Not six this season, this uh, week. We have the Los Angeles Rams going up against the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is playing phenomenal football this season. 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. Led the league in touchdown passes with that 48. His touchdown to interception ratio is phenomenal as always. He will have the highest touchdown to interception ratio of any quarterback over a certain amount of yards, whichever that threshold is placed on stat makers. But 
He's going to go up against the best defense in the playoffs. Still standing. The Los Angeles Rams. I believe that Rams defense is better than that Saints defense, but that's just me. And we'll see how he does. We have Jalen Ramsey going to be guarding Devontae Adams. But, of course, at the end of the day, we have to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see how he performs against this defense. I believe the Rams could do it, but it's going to be hard, especially if the Packers actually start putting up points. If they put up points, I don't know, because the Rams offense moves the ball. Just watching them try to move the ball is kind of hard for me to watch, especially as a Rams fan. I don't know who will start that game. I'm going to assume Jared Goff will just continue to start since he proved that he's able to play. If not, I believe that backup will be able to have a similar performance to uh, to Jared Goff's performance. Then we have, oh, by the way, that Rams versus Packers games is going to be Saturday, January 16th. This will be the first game of the divisional playoff round. It'll be 4.35 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox. Then right after that, this will be, of course, two doubleheaders. Doubleheader Saturday and a doubleheader Sunday. We have the Ravens versus the Bills at 8.15 p.m. Eastern kickoff on NBC. We have a Ravens team that can rush the ball on anybody because they can rush it from the quarterback or they can rush it from the halfbacks. And then we have the Bills who struggled against the Colts. We'll see how Josh Allen's perform against this Ravens defense. We'll see how this goes. Honestly, I have. Honestly, I believe that the Bills will beat the Ravens. I got the Bills beating the Ravens. I got the Rams beating the Packers. Call me a homer. It is what it is. L.A. all day. But I got the Bills beating the Ravens. Lamar Jackson can have another big day on the ground. But ultimately, I believe that he's going to have to be able to make some touchdown passes this game. Because if Josh Allen comes out and he gets two, three touchdown passes and that offense gets clicking, this can be a higher scoring game. And I don't think the Ravens are equipped to deal with a high scoring game, judging by what they had to do against the Titans defense, which is putrid. So we'll see how that goes. I'm looking forward to watching that game. And then Sunday, which I think are the more interesting matchups over in the AFC. Sunday, January 17th at 3.05 p.m. Eastern on CBS. We have the Cleveland Browns versus the Kansas City Chiefs, which I believe is the best team in the playoffs. Let's just stop acting. Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league. Kansas City Chiefs, best team in the league, 14-2. This is the game where I believe the Browns will get stomped because Patrick Mahomes is not going to come out and throw four interceptions. The Kansas City Chiefs are not going to come out and have a botch snap on the first play of the game, thus setting the tone and giving the Browns a boost, a, a confidence booster. If anything, it'll be the exact opposite. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, will come out dropping bombs. I hope we get a shootout because I believe that will be the most likely option. I will get a shootout. And of course, I do not believe the Browns are equipped to deal with a shootout versus the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs come with the big guns. Nobody wants to get into a shootout with the Chiefs. Wish they haven't been getting into shootouts over the season anyway, but we'll see. And then the last game of the divisional playoff round will be Sunday, January 17th at 6.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on 
Fox. And this will be your Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Tom Brady at the New Orleans Saints led by Drew Brees. Tom Brady will definitely be back next season and I believe he'll be back in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. They're going to run it back because he has still shown that he is able to play at a high level and lead a team. But for the New Orleans Saints, this is the battle of the old heads and even though their old head is younger, Tom Brady is cut from a different cloth. And I believe even at 43, Tom Brady is a better quarterback than Drew Brees at 40. And this may be Drew Brees' last effort. I believe he's on his last leg and this will be his last chance at a Super Bowl victory. So both teams have something to play for. I believe the sense of urgency is a little bit greater on the Saints' behalf because this is their last season with their franchise quarterback and this will be a transition into a new era. The battle of the old heads, two quarterbacks that are still performing at a high level. Of course, I believe Tom Brady is performing a lot higher, but Drew Brees is still no, no, no slouch. Ultimately, I believe that the Saints will take this game because Tom Brady has not been able to perform against good defenses. Saints, top three defense in the NFL. Saints dominated the Buccaneers and both meetings this season. This will be their third meeting. Of course, it's a divisional. It's a divisional game. Like both teams are in the same division. And the Saints won that division, taking no losses to Tom Brady and company. So this will be the best game of this week, I believe. Hopefully it is because you got the old heads. People always, and we'll discuss that later on with my not-so-special guest in part two of this podcast today. But you got the battle of the old heads. I could easily see it be a blowout once again. I don't see why anything would change. Maybe Tom Brady comes on and makes some adjustments. Bruce Arians lets Tom Brady dink and dunk some more. We'll see. But ultimately, I believe that this will be no different from the previous meetings. I have no reason to believe that it'll be any different. Everybody should be healthy. That Saints defense is going to come out and try to do the exact same thing they did to Tom Brady during the regular season. So we'll see how this goes. But those are my predictions for the divisional playoff round. So we have the Rams versus Packers. I'll take the Rams. Ravens versus Bills. I'll take the Bills. Browns versus Chiefs. I'll take the Chiefs. Buccaneers versus Saints, I'll take the Saints. So I believe we'll have a Chiefs-Saints AFC Championship and a Rams-Bills NFC Championship. And there you go. Now, a few things like I like to talk about. So while all this is happening in the NFL playoffs, we've had some storylines developing from non-playoff teams. One of the biggest ones is this Deshaun Watson fiasco. I believe ultimately that Deshaun Watson is going to stay exactly where he is because franchise quarterbacks are never dealt in this fashion. Are never dealt at all. Why is there, why is your franchise quarterback requesting a trade or so upset at this point? What are you doing so bad that a quarterback wants to leave? Quarterbacks are so coddled and catered to that they usually have no reason to leave even when their team is losing. But 
that is the case when you have a franchise that is at least half functional. We have the dysfunctional Tennessee, not Tennessee, I'm sorry, Houston Texans with this owner who's ignoring his franchise quarterback's wishes, not even listening to his requests. Reports are saying that he won Eric Vietnamese as the head coach. Vietnamese wasn't even interviewed. And then they go and hire a GM that Deshaun Watson has already stated, already stated from reports that he does not want and does not like. This is not a, you know, an indifference. This is a dislike. I did not want him. I do not want him. Why is he here? Ultimately, I believe this relationship has to be repaired by ownership. But if ownership has shows you anything, they're only able, they're only uh, able to cause dysfunction. They're not actually able to give you anything functional. The ownership of the Houston Texans isn't actually able to give you anything more. Then what's my man? What's the old head coach of the Houston Texans? The bum? I'm not even about to state his name, but the dude who traded Deshaun Watson for a running back. The dude who he should have just called up a random Texas fan and asked him, hey, is this a good, should I do this? And I think anybody with a quarter of a brain, at least a quarter of a brain, would have been able to tell him, you a dummy. As soon as I saw that trade go through, he would have been fired. As a matter of fact, man, boy, this is, that, get my, that would get my blood boiling, I'm telling you. Traded. Oh boy. I don't. Man. But the reports are also coming out that Deshaun Watson is open to go to the Miami Dolphins for Tua Tungvaloa straight up. First of all, Deshaun, if you actually suggested that they do that trade, you a fool if I ever seen one because first you're not worth two a tongue or two tongue of my Lord. It's not worth you straight up. You are a 24, 25 year old quarterback that just had career highs in every major statistical quarterback category. And you are entering your prime. Led the league in passing yards on a bad team. Two tongue of Iloa just threw three interceptions to eliminate the uh, Miami Dolphins from playoff contention. And now there's questions about whether he's going to be the franchise quarterback and the quarterback of the future for the Miami Dolphins after one season, which I believe is ridiculous. This after the Cardinals moved on from Josh Rosen so soon after a season, they knew they did not have the right person. And they went back and drafted another quarterback back to back. And they see that Kyler Murray is actually a better quarterback than Josh Rosen was. And it's looking like he's actually going to work out and they have the franchise quarterback of the future. After he did that, after they did that in the Arizona I think other teams are going to follow suit and they're going to continue to draft quarterbacks back to back to back because especially after um, Justin Herbert's rookie season, especially after Justin Herbert's rookie season, that has started the clock on every single young quarterback in the league that is now performing up to standard because Justin Herbert is looking like he's going to be a potential MVP, MVP candidate in the future. With 30 plus touchdowns in his rookie season. So back to Tua Tungabailoa and the Deshaun Watson trade rumors, which aren't rumors as far as there's actually talks of this trade going down, but this is just a report that's saying that he's open to going to the Miami Dolphins, which I bet he is open to going to the Miami Dolphins because the Miami Dolphins 
is a way more functional franchise at this point than the Houston Texans. And honestly, oh, there you go, Bill O'Brien. And honestly, it probably would not be that way if Bill O'Brien did not single-handedly nuke the Houston Texans' future outside of trading Deshaun Watson. I believe, honestly, like, the best places for him to go could be like a Indianapolis Colts, especially if they do not want to bring Phillip Rivers back, even though I do not believe he had a bad season. Could they do better? Yeah, probably. Do I, do, do I believe they need to draft a quarterback? Yes. If they do not pick up a quarterback in the offseason this year, or if they have no plans of trying to attempt to get Deshaun Watson, if, they, if he actually becomes available, which I do not believe he will become available, but if he does become available, then they need to try to get everything and try to do everything to get that brother outside of trading their offensive lineman. Because I believe that, you know, offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, coach, all right, biggest things. I believe he would be perfect on that Colt squad. He'll be a major improvement over Phillip Rivers. And they'll be right back in the playoffs once again, and they'll be in the contention for. AFC championships and NFL Super Bowl championships. Uh, outside of that, I mean, of course, Deshaun Watson is a upgrade over almost every quarterback in the NFL outside of a Patrick Mahomes. And that's including like Aaron Rodgers, because while Aaron Rodgers may have had a better season, which is up for debate, I believe he had a better season, but some people may disagree. Deshaun Watson's only 24, 25, one of, one of those, 24, 25. I think Deshaun Watson would be a great over a Russell Wilson. If not for anything other than just simply age. So we understand that he's going to be an upgrade for any team outside of the Kansas City Chiefs. But. Should he actually go anywhere else? On his part, yes, I believe that he should definitely try to get out of the Houston Texans um, trauma center. <laughs> but will he actually be able to get anywhere good? Will he be shipped to Jacksonville? Because that also came out of discussions where whether that Jacksonville should try to attempt to get him for the number one pick, trade the number one pick to the Houston Texans so they could get Trevor Lawrence and then you get Deshaun Watson. The thing is, though, Deshaun Watson is not worth just something straight up. No, Deshaun Watson is going to get your best asset plus future first round picks because Deshaun Watson has already showed that he is the real deal at quarterback, the most important position in the NFL. I'll talk about this more with my not so special guests on the second part of this franchise. I mean, on the second part of this podcast. Another thing I want to talk about. Has Baker Mayfield turned the corner? This season, he had 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Of course, he's coming off the back of a monster running game, a two-handed monster of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, which he is benefiting from greatly. But people said that about Russell Wilson back in the day when he was benefiting from the best defense and a phenomenal running game with Marshawn Lynch. And now look at Russell Wilson. He's proven that he can be a franchise quarterback and he is a top five, six, seven quarterback in the NFL. 
hands down. Me, myself, while I am still not a believer, believer, I can admit that Baker Mayfield had has a very good season and I don't care what you say, okay, he has a good team. Well, we know at the very least he can be a very good game manager and I do believe with the right team around him, he can win the Super Bowl. Alright guys, in hour two of this podcast, I'm going to have a not-so-special guest join me. We're going to be talking about a lot of the things I talked about, I talked about in the first hour. And we're going to get into some other topics. Make sure you tune in to the second hour. And we'll be right back. <laughs>